This is T.M. Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book Three, Purgatory. G was beginning to wonder why all of the genuinely interesting conversations she'd had in this place only happened when there were dishes to do. As the shaggy man had instructed, she was carefully picking out the bones from the trash. She'd eaten the fish, she'd enjoyed the fish, but she was a little revolted by the task at hand. He'd given her a small dish for the bones, and as she worked, the pile grew. This is kind of gross, she said. The shaggy man did not look up. Imagine how worse it is for the fish. She thought about that for a moment. Yes, but they're dead. They certainly are, he replied, shifting a stack of plates over with a clatter. They worked in silence for a moment. If they're dead, aha! There's a spark in there after all, the shaggy man said under his breath. If they're dead, she closed her eyes and tilted her head to one side. Then where did they go? In our bellies, I should think. She shook her head. No, I mean, where do they go when they die here? The shaggy man considered this for a moment. Some people would say that there's a great wheel at the center of all things, and that all of us travel through it, going round and round for eternity, moving from one life to the next, picking scraps of ourselves along with us from one life to the next, as many as we can carry at least, letting the others fall away without noticing what we've lost, riding the spin and pull of the wheel, trying to hang on as best we can. He sighed and set another handful of dishes in the sink. So, where do the fish go? G asked after a long moment. They do not, the shaggy man said with a sigh, go into the trash. He leaned over and plucked out a bone she had missed, dropping it into the dish with a flourish. Sorry. Not to worry. He smiled good-naturedly, teeth as big as tombstones. I'm sure I've missed a few myself from time to time. He rinsed off the dish in his hands and set it on a rack next to the sink. G noticed that it wasn't particularly clean. He'd never get away with that if Jerry was watching, she thought. Honestly, he said, I've no idea where they go but I know where the bones go. Where? He rinsed off his hands under the faucet. Back in the river. Why? He shrugged. Because if they don't, I won't have any fish to catch tomorrow. I don't understand. All I know is that I throw the bones back into the river each night, and each morning... There are fish to catch. Drying his hands off on the towel only made the towel dirtier, G noticed. I don't know why. 
I imagine that the bones tumble along the bottom and get swept away by the current, carried back around the wheel once more. It took G a moment to follow what he was saying. What wheel? she thought, and then she remembered. So, the river and the wheel are connected? The shaggy man smiled. I don't know that I would say that, but something has to keep the wheel spinning, now doesn't it? G was thoughtful, which meant that she scrunched up her face like a fist. Is there really a wheel somewhere? The man shrugged. Maybe. Then who built it? She asked. He chuckled. You might as well ask who built the river. Who did build the river? I don't know, he said, suddenly looking very tired and very old. It was here long before I was. Long before. How did you get here? She asked, almost immediately wishing she hadn't. I'm sorry, I know. You died. She stopped talking. It was the easiest way to stop feeling stupid. The shaggy man nodded. Well, yes, but after that, I decided to... You met Sharon. Who? On the boat? Yes, she nodded. He wouldn't give us a ride. Well, I expect not. You shouldn't take it personally. He has his own rules. Yeah, she said with resentment. If he had been there, she would have kicked him again. He wanted money. Really? The shaggy man's eyebrows moved upwards. A golden coin from each of us, she nodded. Like we have pockets full of them. You do, he replied. Well, at least... You have a gold coin. No, I don't. He smiled kindly. It's not an easy thing to find, let alone give away, but it's there. Where? As I understand it, it varied back in the day, sometimes on the eyes, sometimes on the tongue. I don't have one. The shaggy man's eyes crinkled together, happy and sad all at once. You sure about that? Pretty sure, she said. Then she stopped. The shaggy man tipped his head to one side, watching. She clamped her jaws together, and then she relaxed them. There was something very wrong about it, but she couldn't help raising her hand to her mouth. When she looked down, there was something in her hand. It was a coin, a gold coin. It felt heavy and somehow soft against her palm. Does everyone have one of these? The shaggy man nodded. Everyone who's still alive. Oh, sorry. G folded her fingers around the coin again. Not to worry, the shaggy man replied. I'm used to it by now. 
Um, G hesitated, held up the coin. What do I do with this? You put it back, of course. She thought for a moment, and then that was exactly what she did. It was the strangest sensation to feel that coin slip back into place. As soon as it had, she could barely feel it there anymore. But, she said, experimenting with the feel of words in her mouth. But that means we could have... She stomped her foot, thinking of all the trouble and time they could have saved. Yes, that's true, he agreed. But think of the adventures you would have missed out on. G didn't answer. Also, he added as an afterthought, it might have made things easier getting here, but it would have made it a lot harder to get back home. Impossible, in fact. How come? The shaggy man picked a stray scrap of fish out of his beard. That coin, as valuable as it is, is not one of the things you get to keep when you get to this place. Why not? I don't know. Maybe it's too heavy. Maybe it would weigh you down. Maybe it... He rubbed his hand across the bald dome of his head as though he was looking for the hair he'd misplaced years before. I've honestly have no idea. And I'm not going to think too hard about it. Be glad for what you have and hold on to it as tight as you can. You have no idea how valuable and rare that coin is in this place or how much some would want it for their own. Why? He shook his head. Trust me, you don't want to know. She thought for a moment. Because they're dead. Some of them, he nodded. Some are worse than that. The exiles. It wasn't a question. He stared at her in surprise. That's quite a gift you have. What is? Getting people to tell you things. She shrugged. What's it for, though? What? The coin. Why do they want it? I distinctly remember not answering that question a moment ago. I'm not suddenly inclined to do so now. G pursed her lips in disappointment, an unconscious imitation of her mother. You're not an exile. Again, she was not asking a question. He shook his head and turned back to the sink. He handed her a small dish towel. She wiped her hands on it and handed it back to him. He stared at her for a moment, sighed, and set the towel down on the counter. He went to the drawer and took out a new, clean towel and handed it to her. I thought you might drive for a bit, he said, so we can finish up faster. She nodded, cheeks burning. Does it? She started to ask, and then stopped. Yes. She took a breath, considering wondering if she was about to ask a very rude question. Finally, she said, Does it hurt? The shaggy man scrubbed at the next round of dishes. Does what hurt? Being dead. Uh, not so much as dying does, he laughed. 
That hurt like hell. I do not recommend it. But, G trailed off. Yes. But, she said again. Everyone dies. The man arched a shaggy eyebrow at her. Who says? There's plenty that don't die at all. The gods, for instance. I know that, G said. Gods can't die. The shaggy man handed her the plate he'd been washing. Oh, no. Gods can die. Some don't, of course, or at least they haven't yet. Well, how can a god die? The shaggy man chuckled to himself over some private joke. Some gods, all they do is die. It's the only thing they're good at. She looked at him for a long moment, curious. He glanced over to her and laughed. Nope. Not me, dolly girl. I've known the odd god or two in my time, but I'm not one myself. How did you die? Unexpectedly, he answered with a sour look, just like everyone else. What were you before? I was me, of course. Who else would I be? G rolled her eyes. I mean, what did you do? Oh, nothing much, he shrugged. I had a good life, a talent that made people happy, loved by more people than I was hated. Well, that's a good thing. He nodded. It really is. You'd be surprised how few people can say that. Not that it matters in the long run. One day you're you, and then the next, you're finished. Or, at least in my case, my heart was finished. And here I am now, still me. Don't you miss it? Being alive? G asked. Don't you want to go back? I can't. But would you want to, if you could? No, the shaggy man said, no hesitation. Why not? I'd be too worried, he said. Who would feed the cats? G knew the answer to his question, so she told him. He stared at her, listening and impressed. What? she asked. You certainly do get around, he said. He with Persephone and everything. Her name is Winterly, G said. He leaned back against the edge of the sink and scratched his beard. Well, actually, in the older mythologies, her name is Winterly, G said. Of course it is, he answered, without missing a beat. My apologies. It's okay, she said. He handed her another dish. She wiped it dry, thoughtful. Am I in exile? I honestly don't know. You could be. You might end up that way. It's really quite up to you. He looked at her intently. Do you feel like one? I'm not sure yet. She chewed her lower lip. Are all of them bad? I don't know, he said. I haven't had the occasion to meet all of them just yet. I'm planning on holding a series of dinner parties next month to get through the rest of the list. They're not all bad. He patted her shoulder, a little awkwardly. I expect most of them are just trying to get their basket of fish out of the river each day. 
same as the rest of us. Thoughtful, G handed him the last dish, dried and ready for the rack. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. These rights are asserted in direct opposition to all Creative Commons licensing standards and practices. Even listening to this damn thing is probably illegal. In fact, you should stop right now, just in case the feds are closing in on you. I'd wipe your hard drive, too, just to be safe. You don't want them to find all those Lipstick Jungle episodes you downloaded from BitTorrent, do you? Wait, did you hear that? Just outside the window? I think it's one of their robotic hounds. The new models have night vision now, you know. And they see everything. Oh my god. I think... I think they might already be in the house.